Welcome to The Real Estate Show on WGBF AM with your host, Charlie Butler. This is where you'll learn to sell your home quickly and for more money. And now, the host of The Real Estate Show, the guy who guarantees to sell your home or he'll buy it himself, Charlie Butler. Good Sunday morning to you, Tri-State. This is the Charlie Butler Real Estate Show. And as every Sunday, I'm here with the lovely Evie Barr. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Good morning, Evie. I'm doing great. How's how's everything with you? My world's pretty wonderful. Gonna make a bunch of pumpkin rolls for Thanksgiving this afternoon. All right. Yeah. You don't cook too, huh? I don't cook. I bake. You bake? I bake. So, okay, guys. Remember that. <laughs> we try, that we've been trying to get Evie a date. You know, she bakes also. Okay, so what's going on in your world i know you you always you've always made me swear not to get on the dating thing today so. oh i didn't make you swear i just i don't have any good stories right now all right well then we'll, or i'm letting them simmer and seeing how they work out how's that that's good actually what she told me before we come on the air was she had nothing she could tell on sunday morning that she <laughs> but she had stuff she could tell on dave and leslie's show so which of course gets a little bit you know and do things that we can't do so we'll We'll see if Dave and Les, listen to KDQ when when Evie's going to be on and see what uh, get the real story. Okay. <laughs> so are you ready for Thanksgiving then? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I am ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Nice segue there, Evie. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing that I, from a business standpoint, I like about this time of year. Everybody, at least in our business, and I'm sure you have the same thing with a lot of people in your business, say, oh, it's slowing down now. I'm going to take off. And, you know, Nobody wants to buy a house during Thanksgiving or Christmas, so I'm just going to take off. I think you and I have talked about this. That's just not true. No. Now, that, now those of you that think that, keep doing it because it's great for us, okay? <laughs> well, now's the time to that you have the serious buyers out there looking. And um, like you've said before, they aren't just going into the homes to see the newest paint colors or what they want to buy if they're out this time of year. Yes. They want to buy. Exactly. And one thing I love about Waterstone is for the serious buyers, if they are starting to look, we can go ahead and get them pre-approved and even do a platinum pre-approval where we'll send their file through underwriting. Um, so that way we know their income and their assets check out okay even before they find a house. Let me get off the subject slightly. Sure. I had some, I, I've had a couple realtors ask me this. And I wanted you to explain this because your program, and you have to excuse me, I can't think of the name of it, or the repair escrow program. Yes. Explain how, explain a little bit how that works because I just had somebody the other day say, well, as, as we know, the FHA, when you do FHA, the repairs have to be done. Or that's what a lot of lenders tell them. You know, so with Waterstone's repair escrow program, if there are repairs that need to be made, then we'll request two quotes. Um, it's approved by underwriting to have the repairs fixed after the closing. Of course, we're going to take one and a half times, uh, the quote, just in case there's any increases in expenses, but it can go hand in hand with any program, whether it's FHA, VA, USDA, or conventional. It is not meant to be a total rehab program. The best example I have of it is I had a VA loan that needed to get closed, but it was the middle of winter and the windows needed to all be repainted. Well, you can't repaint windows in the middle of winter, wherever it's 32. So um, we were able to escrow for those improvements 
and we could go ahead and close the loan and then the work be done after closing. But the program is a one-time disbursement. So say it needs a new roof, then we'll disperse after the roof is completely finished and it's been inspected to say it's been done. So if it, you know, you, you get the money in escrow, which I'm assuming you don't do until closing. Correct. Okay. So nobody's out any cash up front. It's just part of the proceeds. Correct. And if for some reason something blows up at closing, they just, there's nothing to unwind because they haven't put any money into the deal. Right. You know, everybody just walks away. Yeah. You know? Right. And the funds can come from the seller's proceeds um, the buyer can bring in funds for the improvement or in the example I was telling you about the seller put in half and the buyer put in half of the funds. What about, and I know this is always, always a tricky situation or used to especially be a tricky situation. What about if let's say the, the seller says I'll pay for, you know, I'll pay for, or it doesn't matter if it's seller or the buyer. Right. And their parents say, uh, we'll give you the money to pay for it. So it's gifted funds. It's, it's gifted as, funds. As long as we verify the where the gifted funds are coming from, it should be acceptable. As long as we can document where they're coming from, uh, where the funds are coming from, really just to make sure that the buyer has not taken out an additional loan of some sort that would count against their debt. So verifying where those gift funds come from is really important. So if, you know, so if somebody wants to help their kids or whatever, sure. and as long as there's not an additional financial obligation there. Correct. Correct. Okay. correct. True gifted funds. The True parents will have funds. to sign off on a letter, a gift letter, right. saying that the child is not obligated to pay the funds back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and uh, speaking of some of the Waterstone programs, for the next two weeks, I don't know if we can put up with him for two weeks, but we've got Derek Danks with us. Uh, the And I know he hates titles, so I just make one up for him. The regional <laughs> director for Waterstone Mortgage. How's that, Derek? That's good enough. I just made that title up myself. So. <laughs> uh, the Indiana dictator for Waterstone That's Mortgage. Right. <laughs> the, I tried to get him to give me a business card that didn't have a title on it. The uh, Derek, for those of you that have not list our show and realtors in our office and for those that don't know i'm the managing broker at keller williams and they're always excited when derek is coming to town because derek is one of the more knowledgeable guys and around in as far as mortgages go and uh so derek you want to you know i don't know if we've talked about this you want to talk a little bit about your background how you got to where you're at today yeah, that's a good question. I'm not really even sure how to answer that. So, um, you know, I mean, we don't have to go back with you and Dirk's childhood, okay, and all that stuff. But you know, <laughs> yeah, my brother picked on me a lot when I was little, so you know, I had this drive to uh, do better. But I saw uh, him the other day, by the way. Yeah, I just saw him. Yeah, what? Well, I feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. My brother and I both ended up in the mortgage business, the banking business. Um, but we both kind of started out the same way in in consumer finance. And that really used to be the way that you got into banking, you know? Right. Um, and I always find it interesting, and not so much anymore, but over the years I've had clients ask me, so did you, is that what you went to school for, to be in the mortgage business? And it's like, okay, well, there wasn't really 
that really didn't exist when I was in school. I mean, there was a guy at a bank and he did car loans and credit cards and loans for tractors and he'd do a loan <laughs> for your house. And if you wanted to own a business, he'd do that loan too. And the specialization in the industry kind of came, you know, in the eighties, somewhere in that early eighties and, uh, mortgage brokers kind of started growing up and that's what I did. I'd worked for a bank and started a mortgage broker company that I had for 20 years before I came to Waterstone. So, which some may remember, which was Sun Mortgage, Sun Mortgage which had an office here in yep. Evansville. Yep. That and was our original office started in uh, 1991. And you, when I first started doing bit, I did quite a bit with you guys in the early 2000s. John Rapp yep. was with you guys. Yep. And I used to do a lot with John. Yep. And John's, you know, John personal, but his ex-wife, you know, used to work for me. That's right. And that, and so that's, you know, and so we started doing a lot with John and I didn't know you at the time. Yeah. He always did a really good job for us. Yeah. So, um, and you know, during that time there was a lot of benefits to being a broker. You know, we gravitated that way because we had multiple lenders with every kind of program you could think about. And that that's kind of turned now to where, you know, I think we have more products and programs being with the bank than we do as a broker. And that's why we made the change. Um, you know, there's a lot of benefit and a lot of power to being back, backed by a bank. That's about a $4 billion bank. Um, you know, our bank is really, it really exists on a mortgage company. The mortgage company is probably 75% of the profits of the bank. Right. Um, the bank's footprint is only in Wisconsin and Minnesota, although the mortgage company has offices in 46 States now and we lend in every state. So, you know, we have programs and we have things like the repair escrow that you were talking about that we're able to do because we do have that that backing of a bank and we do have our own money. So we are able to do some things that maybe other lenders can't do. Um, as you talked about the repair escrow, it's really to facilitate closing a loan on time. So, right. and, and you know, Charlie, I mean, this things come up after the inspection and the appraisal's done. And it's why you get those things done. And exactly. You know, you pay an inspector to come out there and spend three hours at a house and he's going to find things that you didn't find when you were walking through, you know, and that's what you want him to do. But then somebody has got to decide all those things are going to get fixed and how we still close when we're supposed to close. Um, one of the things that I really like about the repair escrow is that from our client standpoint, the buyer, the buyer now controls the contractor. So rather than a seller who's in a hurry to get something fixed and they're looking for the cheapest way to get it fixed because they want to sell their house and move right. on, the repair escrow puts the client in charge. They're picking the contractor. The contractor is going to be doing work for the client and they're the person that's going to be living in the house. So then if they have additional issues that come up with that repair later on, the contractor did the work for them. So it's beneficial to the client from that standpoint also that they pick a contractor and they oversee the work and they make sure it's done to the standard that they would expect, you know, with them being the ones that are going to live in the home. Well, and you know, something I've noticed in dealing with Waterstone, uh, and whether it be you, I also, uh, deal some with Derek's, uh, business partner, Vince Blanchard, mm -hmm. who, uh, I've tried to get Vince to come down here, but he says, you can do the talk and he'll just, he'll, he'll stay behind the scenes. You know, but, uh, <laughs> That's kind of our deal. He, he, you know, I won't say he's a little bit more organized than me. He's a lot more organized than me. So we, uh, we keep him in the office in Indy to make sure things go smoothly and, you know, those kind of things. And 
but but from dealing with you guys to dealing with Abby and other people that you have, you seem to really focus on uh, customer service. That seems to be a really and I, and that may be the whole. I know that may come from Waterstone too, but I know in your case, I think you really focus on customer service. You that's that's a hundred percent right, and I think. You know, it's something that I learned early in my career, and it's the ability to put myself in the client's situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we represent a client, and I don't know that every time when somebody applies for a mortgage that they think about it this way, but, you know, that's my client, and I'm going to work 100% for them. You know, it's all about making sure that our buyers and the people that we're doing mortgages for, that they understand the process and that they're happy. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know, the old saying where it's like, you don't know what you don't know, you know, until you, yep. until a problem comes up. And same with clients when we're talking to them, a client says, well, you know, I got really good credit and I don't expect there to be a problem. It's like, right. But no client that ever had a problem during the mortgage process expected there to be a problem. Yeah. That's why they become such a big deal. And we're all on a time frame once that deal starts. So our ability to, be in the client's shoes and help them get through situations to their benefit. That's what I think we're really good at. And we make a lot of effort to make sure that that happens for our clients. I've seen that. I mean, and, and it is, it gets, it gets out. I'll break this down a little bit, but you guys know, it also gets more difficult as we call when you get in domino deals, you know, yes. where, where, and what I'm talking about there uh, is if, uh, Okay, we're closing the first house. Well, the people that are selling that house are moving in, into house number two. Well, the people that are selling house number two have got to close at a certain time for house number three. And there's times there could be four or five houses involved in these yes. deals. And so that's, I mean, I know that's sometimes the exception, but it's really not an exception for there to be two or three houses involved in the deal. Because, you know, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, there's a lot of times we're getting pressure to think, well, yeah, we're working for the buyer. If I'm if I'm representing the buyer, you guys are usually representing the buyer. But we've got to think about, okay, that seller's got to, got to be out by a certain day. That's right. So we've got to get this done. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, if for there to be a seller, there's got to be a buyer. Yeah. For there to be a buyer, there's got to be a seller. So those things kind of go, you know, hand in hand and – it is one of those things that I think we think about when we're doing our pre-approval. And it's one of the reasons why we offer the platinum pre-approval program is that, you know, that program is basically a full underwrite on everything except the property. So when the other agent, the listing agent gets a pre-approval letter from us and it's a platinum pre-approval, they know there's not going to be any surprises. And, you know, we feel like we have a responsibility to the listing agent and the person selling the home that we don't tie their home up when we're not sure if we can get financing done or not. So, you know, it's also one of those things that I think of the seller and the seller's agent as our clients also, and they don't pick us. So there's a responsibility for us to do a really good job for them also. So that, you know, in this market, if you list your house, you can sell it. Yeah, you, absolutely. You, you don't want to be tied up because, Another mortgage company said something can be done, and now they're struggling with it. And, you know, that communication part's a big deal. And, you know, the having something like the platinum pre-approval is, is, I mean, from talking about this from a realtor's point of view, and I'm sure from uh, a buyer or seller's point of view, it's so important where 
you're doing the full underwriting right up front. So those people actually know they're basically approved. So they don't do something crazy credit wise, you know, because, and we're leaving, we know, we all know there are mortgage brokers out there that will give you a pre-approval with, you know, if you actually read it, there's 50 ways out of that thing. Right. Well, sure. Yeah. And, uh, so it really doesn't mean a lot. No. And it's, you know, some of it is people getting in a hurry. Some of it is that, you know, they're hoping everything's going to work out and our business doesn't go well when people hope things are going to work out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So ours either, you know, (laughs) and the, you know, how people get paid now. And there's, there's just a lot of things that go into the mortgage process that there's a level of complication there that when you tell somebody they're pre-approved, you need to have looked at information and documentation and, and, you know, you know what you're, what you're working with. It doesn't mean that an issue comes up that you can't get past, but you need to know what that issue is. You need to identify it early in the process. So if it's going to be a problem or it's something where we need to take an additional step in the process of getting them approved, that we identify that early. And when I meet with real estate agents, I tell agents all the time, if you look back over your career and same for you, Charlie, you look back over your career deals where you had a problem where something went wrong during the process and things didn't close on time or there were hiccups in that process. I will tell you that 90% of the time it's because the loan originator didn't do a good job of taking the application. So I would agree with that. You know, that, that interview process where we're asking all the right questions and those questions lead to other questions so that we do a good job up front. It eliminates those issues, but you normally don't have the loan originator calling you and saying, Hey, I'm the guy that messed up. They point to that problem or that issue that came up as an issue. But in a lot of those cases, if we just knew early in the process, we could have done something about it and things would have went a lot smoother. Well, you and I have Derek and I, Derek also does commercial, right. especially him, him and his partner Vince do commercial and Derek is, you know, I've called Derek with what a client wants and what terms want. And instead of, I mean, he'll check into it, but instead of wasting a lot of times, he'll tell me pretty quick, say, Hey, Charlie, it's not going to happen this way. Right. You know, here's, here's what we can do if they can live with that. But you know, that's just not going to happen. Right. And those kind of, you know, when you're talking about commercial deals, whether, you know, it's a, a, Mark, you know, an apartment complex or a building that somebody wants to run a business out of. Right. It's a whole lot of moving parts a to, bunch. to those kind of deals. Yeah. And, you know, so asking a lot of questions up front and getting all the information so that the quote you give somebody in the direction you take them in is the, is the proper direction. Um, you know, a lot of times, and whether it be residential or commercial, everybody's focused on the rate. You know, what's my rate going to be? What's my rate going to be? And, but, but do that. But you know what? I I have a different I have a different theory there, and you're this is probably where you're going. They really don't care it, at the end, you know, as long as their payment is where they want to be. Well, and that's exactly right. And they're you know, so on the residential side, you take the example Especially that on residential the the difference between a USDA loan, you know, an FHA loan or a conventional loan, if someone has a small down payment and the property's in a USDA area, it's one of the better loans going. 
And the rate's going to be similar to an FHA loan, but the mortgage insurance and the funding fees, the things that are associated with the, the USDA loan right now are considerably lower than they are for an FHA loan. So you're exactly right. It's going to equate to a, a lower payment right, and a lower cost of financing. So, you know, when you're looking at different loans, you have to look at all the, the mortgage insurance and funding fees and different things that go into that loan that while the rates may seem equal in actuality, your cost to do one program versus another, they're not equal. Yeah. And, and that may be, as we said, it may be slightly different on the commercial side because a, a lot of commercial guys, you know, they go in with a purpose of refining that property. Right. Yeah. So we well, yeah, And I think, you know, on the commercial side, the, the, percentages get turned into actual dollars a lot faster by the, by that client. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, say you're buying a, an apartment complex and it's, it's one that's not fully rented. So it's not stabilized. So you, you need to have financing done. That's financing on the way to better financing. Right. You know, so you got to look at it and say, all right, maybe, the, maybe they tell you a rate that seems high, but you got to equate that to dollars and cents. Does the property still cash flow? Is there value in, you know, improving the property and all the things that you're going to do to get you where you want to be with better financing and more cash flow on that property? And for those that don't know, on the commercial side, they call those bridge loans, right? Because right. and it's and they call them bridge loans That's because right. it'll get you. <laughs> hopefully, you know, if everything works, you stabilize that property. It's a bridge from one place to the other. That's exactly. I know what Evie's writing. I can see you're writing. You are listening to the Charlie Butler Show. Uh, I almost said for you. I've been sitting well, here so quietly. On uh, 1280 WGBF, you have been quiet. I have been. I'm in, I'm in awe of what Derek's saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what it you're is. Sucking up to the boss, aren't he's, you? Yeah, he's a wealth of knowledge. You want you want to jump in here, Evie? Oh, no. I'm I'm great. <laughs> you guys are talking commercial, which is really out of my realm. Well, but, so. you, but you know, I... Yes, as Derek said, some of the things in commercial are different. But when it gets right down to it, everybody wants the same thing. They want the best payment they can sure. get, best terms they can get. Right. You know, uh, I know I'm leaving. But they just want, you know, and, and they want really good customer service. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we try to provide. Yeah. So, and, and a lot, of, it's just getting an understanding of the client and, you know, what are their goals? And that's really the big part of it. So, you know, um, and everybody's got different goals, especially on the on the commercial side. The residential side, Evan and I spend a lot of time with people trying to talk them through, okay, is this your first home? How long do you plan on being here? Right. You know, thinking about, you know, it's hard to say, well, 30 years from now, here's what I'm going to be doing. But you can equate five to seven years into planning for your family, how old your children are. You know, do you plan on having more children? So this first home's a three-bedroom, but you're just starting to have children. So at some point, three bedrooms may not be enough. And putting that client in the position to be a successful homeowner so that they can take those next steps in their life that they want to take. Um and it all comes from getting to know them and, and walking them through everything at the beginning of the process. But is that not also one of the big difference? I get, we talk about the same, I, one of the big differences I see in residential and commercial, and I'm going to 
uh, exaggerate maybe a little bit. I've never done that before, but okay, uh, <laughs> the, you could it, you could be an axe murderer if you had a good credit score and get approved to buy a home. Right. Okay. Sure. On the commercial side, character plays in to that. As you know, as you hear, as I heard a banker say one time, he's you know he said, "I'll sit down and talk to somebody on commercials." You know, talking about commercial loans. He said, when I'm talking to him, I'm thinking about one thing. You know, if everything goes bad, are they going to do their best to pay me back? Right. When they're done talking, if the answer is yes, probably going to make the loan. If the answer is no, they could be a multimillionaire. I'm not going to do the loan. Yeah, and experience plays into that also. Yeah, and it, yeah, experience plays a big part into that. So, you know, if you just wake up one day and you've never had a rental property of any kind, you've never collected rent, you've never had somebody call you at one o'clock in the morning and say the the heat's off in the house you rented me, <laughs> yeah. the, the likelihood that you could just jump in and buy a 300-unit apartment complex gets a little bit thinner. So, yeah. you know, even if it's a really strong property, we're looking for some experience and, and there's a lot more opportunity to tell a story there. And the commercial side, it's it's really and it's not really credit score credit score driven that much. Not really, not really. Yeah. So, you know, and that's and it's what I always say is that if if you're a client out there and you want to buy a house, right, and you are talking to two loan originators and you talk to somebody with another company and then you talk to Evie, you'll know at ten minutes into the conversation the difference between Evie and and the other people you're talking. I, absolutely. To. Yeah. So you'll know from the questions and how in-depth and how organized her process is, you'll know the difference. And it's going to bode well for you during that process. So you're exactly right. Those those things, whether it be residential or commercial, are very similar. Exactly. How do you get the story and how do you put it in the right order? And, you know, within my group, you know, I have the state of Indiana. I tell people there is nobody better on, in that process than Evie. There's not. And I don't say that because she's sitting here. I mean, I, you know, I am a little bit afraid of her, so I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too far out of the. He knows I'm from Boonville. Is what it is. Well, I'm from the West Side. I don't, I don't scare easy. No, but, yeah. You know, that's redneck. West Side. I'm a well. I, well so I start saying I'm a cake eater. But I'm not from these. I'm from Newburgh. So, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, you guys just figure yeah, I'm a snob. Close okay. Enough, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's it's really a matter whenever I go to take an application, I'm talking to someone the first time. It's exactly like Derek's saying, figuring out exactly what they want, what they're looking for, getting their full story so we can hit those hurdles head on and take care of them up front. Because if a loan officer comes from at that direction of taking care of everything up front, having it all packaged up, pretty and telling the full story for underwriting it makes the entire process so much smoother and everybody's going to be so much happier yes i might ask for more documentation than what you expect but i'm just making sure that we can get through underwriting without any major issues right and uh, uh and you're i and derek was kind of alluding to this but yeah i still think i've said this before evie's biggest strength and there is no, I, I do not believe there's a loan officer I've dealt with as ever, and that takes in a lot, as better customer service than any, than any loan officer I've ever dealt with. Thank you. She, now, and you can, be, one thing you can be sure, I I send Evie people 
that uh, every once in a while sometimes may not quite be ready to be financeable yet, but she still works them. Yes. And she still, and if you're out there, and if there's somebody listening saying, eh, this doesn't apply to me, I've got bad credit, or I've, I had this happen or that happen, you've, I mean, you've got programs for those people too and able to get them, you know, where they can, you know. Definitely. And it's really a matter of just calling and laying it out there as to where you are at financially. Um, this past week, I had a lady call me who had had a foreclosure five years ago and thought she couldn't do anything until she was seven years away from yeah. that foreclosure. There's a lot of people that are misinformed. So yeah, if they just want to give me a call and they can call me at 812-463-3199 or shoot me an email at ebar at waterstonemortgage.com and we can just walk through it. And also, as, as far if you are looking to buy a house or commercial, we, I've got a full-service team that does both residential and commercial. So call the Charlie Butler team at uh, 812-430-1708 or uh, 812-499-7758 on both commercial and, and residential side. Uh, we offer free market analysis on the residential side. Uh, if we can't, uh, uh, if we don't buy, if we don't sell your home, we'll buy it. So, uh, ask about that program. Derek, you'll be back with us next week. We're running, I see we're running out of time. Yes, sir. All right. <laughs> Evie, have a, have a great Sunday. You do the same. And, uh, th- for, for Derek Danks, Evie Barr, this is Charlie Butler. Have a great Sunday. You've been listening to The Real Estate Show on WGBF AM with the guy who guarantees to sell your home or he'll buy it himself, Charlie Butler. Join us every week at this time to find out how to sell your home quickly and for more money. For more information, email cbutler at kw.com or visit charliebutlerteam.com.